Seven blessings on you, and welcome back to the Waiting for Winter podcast. I'm your host, Fraser of House Robinson, joined as always by my co-host, Kira of House Holdfield. Hello. And uh, once again, I'd like to remind you that uh, the show can be found on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, and uh, I might I might see if I can't get it on Spotify, because you know, you hear about Spotify doing podcasts now, so uh, we'll look into that, see what we can do. And be sure to like the show on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for all your pertinent updates about new episodes and things like that. So without any further ado, we'll, we'll make a start on episode 5 of season 1, The Wolf and the Lion. So, um, big indication that some Stark Lannister <laughs> conflict is on the way. Not that any of, not that it was it wasn't really obvious from the previous ep- mm. episodes, but <laughs> from the end of the previous episode, yeah. So we open on King's Landing. Ned goes down to the tournament grounds where the the, the hands tourney is being held, and uh, Sir Hugh of the Vale, who of course was brutally killed by Sir Sir Gregor Clegane last episode, is being tended to by. The Silent Sisters, who are the kind of the, the 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 sect of the Faith of the Seven that deal with the dead. Yep. And Ned and Sir Barristan Selmy have a little bit of a chat about Sir Hugh's death. And then they go they go outside and sort of walk around the tourney grounds, and they have a further talk about the fall of House Targaryen, specifically about the fact that Sir Barristan was part of the King's Guard of of the Mad King and Robert pardoned him after the rebellion and let him stay in the King's Guard so Barristan is very sort of grateful to Robert for that I think I mean it was definitely one of those situations where what do you do (laughs) as that person Mm. because yeah Barristan Selmy he's quite a famous a famous uh, famous figure in Westeros they call him Barristan the Bold and kind of Keeping him on was, was, I think, good PR for Robert, just as uh, getting rid of him would have been bad, which is something that comes up (laughs) later on. So Ned goes to Robert's tent, where Lancel is trying and failing to fit Robert into his armour. Breastplate stretcher. (laughs) Ah, yes, the the breastplate stretcher. stretcher. Which, uh, yeah, Robert sends Lancel off looking for the, the breastplate stretcher, and so Ned and Robert have a bit of a laugh about how long it'll take Lancel to figure out that that's nonsense. Yep. And we have we have one of those moments again where Ned makes a joke, sort of directed at Robert, and uh, and Robert, you think Robert's going to get mad, but then he starts laughing. But then when somebody else laughs, he does get mad. So it's mad. It's like you're not allowed. Yeah, to, only says, I'm allowed to laugh at me. Hmm. <laughs> it's like you're too fat for your armor. And Robert starts laughing, and then Lancel starts laughing, and Robert's like, "Oh, you think it's funny, do you?" And they have, a, <laughs> they have that whole bit. Yeah. And so, while Lancel is away on his wild goose chase, uh, Robert and Ned have a bit of a talk about Robert competing in the tournament. Which Ned Ned says, "Well, if you compete, nobody would dare to hit you, so you'd just win." Automatically, because everyone else would just take a dive. Because who wants to be the person that wounds or, God forbid, kills the king? So, uh, Robert's a bit upset by that, that he can't do all the things he used to do because he's. Because he's, he's now king. the king. Turns out being well, king is not another so great. Thing. Yeah, this is another thing I feel like should have come up in 15 years of being king. Because they've had. They've had other tournaments in the intervening time, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like it might be exacerbated by the fact that his old partner in crime is back. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good that's a good point actually. The kind of wants to sort of get up to the old get up to the yeah. old tricks that they used to. And I feel like that was sort of what yeah, he was ex- what what um, Robert was expecting when he had Ned come be the hand was ah we'll mm. just go like back to old times. But it's not that's a, so much. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Hmm. So later on at the tournament, 
Uh, Sir Grigor Clegane the Mountain is riding against young Sir Loras Tyrell. Uh, yeah, very young yep. and handsome, handsome gentleman who gives Sansa a rose. Because uh, I think largely because she's the, the the prettiest girl sitting in the front row of the stands. <laughs> but, prettiest um, girl, full stop. <laughs> mm, well, yeah, definitely. But I mean, at least to, at least sort of within arm's reach from the back of a horse, kind of plays yeah. into it as well. Yeah. And um, so Loras and uh, the Mountain ride at each other. Loras wins, and uh, at which point, well, actually no, sorry, before before Loras wins, Littlefinger and Renly decide to have a wager on the outcome. Which which and Renly wins the wager because he bet on Loras. And uh, Littlefinger alludes to something going on between Loras and Renly. Yep. And uh, so the Mountain, who is who has lost, of course, is is clearly very angry about having lost. And so just as soon as he dismounts from his horse, calls for his squire to bring his sword, and right there in front of everybody, just fucking cuts this horse's head off, like, like just just right through it. It's quite brutal. Yeah, just like they they. It re- just leaves it there. He doesn't even like move it. Mm. Like he does it right in the middle of the tourney ground. So it's not just it's not just brutal. It's also dreadfully inconvenient. Mm. So Littlefinger reveals that Varys uh, knew that his mare was in heat, and that it would distract the Mountain's horse and make it easier for Loras to win. And he, he sort of he sort of says this to Sansa, who reacts with um, who reacts with sort of shock because she she imagined that someone so clearly gallant and chivalrous as Loras would resort to to cheating, to win the uh, I mean, to win the win the win the fight. Sansa at this point in her life definitely suffers from that. I don't remember what it has a name, but where that thing where if you if someone's really pretty, you associate all the positive things with them. So he's like. She's uh-huh. like, well, he's he's pretty, so he must be chivalrous and honest and good. And you're like, no, no, yeah. he's not. <laughs> yeah, what is what is the word for that? I'm... I don't. It's. Uh, I'll go find out. Keep talking. I'll tell you later. I've heard of that too. <laughs> I want to say something like Marilyn Monroe syndrome, but I think I might be on the wrong track with that. So yes, Loras. Loras has has been revealed. Well, not revealed, but it's generally understood that he was he was cheating, and so the mountain flies into a rage, tries to attack Loras with his sword, still slick with horse blood, causing the hound to intervene. His brother Sandor Clegane intervenes to sort of save, try and save Loras, and the fight has to be broken up by Robert, who who just stands up and says, "Oi, you 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 stop that!" And it, it looks like the mountain's gonna like keep going but it's it's uh no he he ends up just storming away and loris comes over and says well thank you very much and kind of does the whole champion's arm lift thing which is like a nice a nice sort of moment of humility for loris yeah one of very very few and i'd just like to (laughs) sort of sort of point out at this point how great rory mccann is as the hound pardon sorry like his performances Rory McCann, the actor who plays the Hound. I just wanted to point out, at this point, just just how good he is. Like, this scene is one of many scenes that I that I look at and just think that's that's amazing. Like he he is so good in that role. Yes, he was so, a good yeah, just, choice. Just me freaking out over the over the acting skill. So, we cut now to the Vale. The the Vale of Arryn, the the area that House Arryn rules over. Yep. And um. Tyrion has has a bag pulled from over his head and he realises that they're not on the road up to Winterfell, they're on the road towards the Vale. The road to the Vale. And Kat reveals that she did loudly say that they were going to take him to Winterfell. Yeah. Only to, to double back towards the Eyrie. And so Tyrion is kind of... The, there's, in the books, Tyrion, in his internal monologue, thinks about how, like... How annoying it is! Like it's, it's a clever move, but he can't like fully appreciate how clever it is because he's so annoying <laughs> it's being done to him. Yeah, so, it's pretty good actually. Yeah, and so once again, Tyrion denies complicity in the attempt to kill Bran. But suddenly, the party is attacked by hill tribesmen. 
the the wildlings who live in the mountains surrounding yep. the Vale. And so the, the the battle sort of gets a bit hectic, and Cat opts to untie Tyrion so that he can defend himself. And we have we sort of have this moment of kind of, if not trust, but sort of respect between them when Tyrion manages to kill a, a hill tribesman mm. who was about to kill Cat. And so we cut to Winterfell, and Bran is. Uh, sort of practicing his geography while Theon practices archery. Maester Lewin is having Bran recite the names of, of various houses and their words. And at the and Bran kind of talks about how he's upset that his sister <laughs> uh, not his sister, why did I say his sister? His mother yeah. is is gone. He he makes a big note point of how the Tully words are family duty honour. And and Cat is ne- in his mind neglecting her family, so it's 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 kind of sad that Bran. It's, it's kind of sad because she's way. like she's done all of this for him basically. Mm. Mm. And so, this is something I wanted to point out here. Bran talks about how the sigil of House Baratheon is a crown stag now that Robert is king, but as far as I know, it's always been a crown stag. I never Even of... before Robert was king. Yeah, I don't think it was anything else. Hmm. It's not like the Targaryen one was a crowned dragon when they were king. No. Well, the no. ruling family, so... I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's just... That's just HBO being sloppy in my mind. <laughs> Later that night in the castle, Theon is entertaining Roz in his chambers. And... Uh, they have a bit of a chat about Theon's status mm. as as uh, as ward of Ned Stark, but also like de facto hostage in case his father ever tries to rebel against the Iron Throne again. And um, I'd just like to point out at this moment that we see Elfie Allen's dick. <laughs> just uh, just for those of you who are interested. I'm pretty sure it's the first time we've seen a penis on screen in the show. So, yeah, I uh, think it is. So you know, mark that down in your in your diaries. We cut to King's Landing now, and Arya is chasing a cat, just around the castle, as part of her lessons with Sirio. And um, if I recall correctly, this cat is uh, an old tomcat called uh, Balerion. Yeah. Who, which was the name of um, of one of uh, one of the dragons that Aegon the Conqueror used to conquer Westeros, and I think, if I remember correctly, uh, this cat used to belong to Princess Rhaenys, who was the daughter of Rhaegar Targaryen and granddaughter of the Mad King. Yeah, because I I don't think it's ever directly stated that it's the same cat but it's very heavily alluded to that it is the same cat so i mean who else would give him that sort of name <laughs> mm. so yeah just um just an interesting little bit of trivia that i wanted to point out at that point yeah in ned's office in the castle uh ned and varus are having a bit of a chat about uh what happened to john aaron and the, a possible threat to Robert, similar to the the thing that happened to um, to John Aaron. Mm. Like Varys, Varys says that he has possible evidence that someone is conspiring against Robert, and he directs Ned to keep looking into what he's been looking into about John Aaron's death. Yeah. So elsewhere in the castle, Arya chases the cat down into the dungeons, and stumbles upon the hidden dragon skulls. The, the old the old Targaryen dragon skulls which which Robert removed when he became king because he he didn't want to look at this sort of stark reminder of Targaryen power and then now they're down in the in the dungeons mm. and while she's down there uh, Varys appears with Illyrio Illyrio Mopatis and they're talking about the situation between the Starks and the Lannisters that they don't notice Arya and they continue their conversation on as they as they walk past and um someone I'm pretty sure Illyrio says if one hand can die why not another and that they they make specific allusion yeah. to the fact that Ned is close to some sort of truth yeah so it's um I mean, he figured it out faster <laughs> it's, it's a very clear indication that some sort of meddling is happening with the situation at hand 
so in the throne room, uh, Varys runs into Littlefinger, Illyrio has presumably gone, and uh, they have a bit of a chat about their ambitions and how much they've been spying on each other. And Little Littlefinger reveals that he saw Varys with Illyrio. Yeah. And they, they make... They talk about sort of the things that Littlefinger must know because he's a brothel owner. And apparently, apparently they say that Lord Redwim uh, likes little boys. Which is, like, the character Paxter Redwin from the books, I don't think has visited King's Landing in a significant Years? amount of time. So I think just they plucked a random name out of the book canon and stuck it onto, like, okay, this, this guy's a pedophile now. Which, you know... He's old. Mm. It's it's a modern thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on from that rather sticky point there. Uh, Renly comes in to the throne room and reveals that Robert will be at the council meeting, which is apparently a rare occurrence. <laughs> oh no, we're going to go into more mm. debt now. <laughs> Something's uh, Something big's about to happen. Arya finally emerges from the dungeons of the castle and uh, finds herself on the waterfront outside the castle. And she tries to get back in, but when she's denied, she gives one of the guards a bit of a, a bit of a talking to. Yep. I can't imagine what those two guards thought they had on their hands, because she she very specifically says, "Well, I'm I'm the daughter of the hand of the king," but she's she's wearing her training her training clothes and is very filthy, so you can imagine them being a bit sceptical. Back in Ned's office, Arya has been brought before Ned, and he he says that, well, we were looking everywhere for you, we were were very worried, and she tries to tell Ned about the conversation that she overheard, but they're interrupted when Yorin arrives with the news of of Kat's kidnapping of Tyrion. (laughs) Arrest, in in Mm. inverted commas. (laughs) Mm. And there's this uh, this sort of great conversation between Ned and Yorin, where Yorin says, "Well, Benjamin's your brother by blood, but he's my brother by oath, and it's for his sake that I came down here to tell you that uh, that what's going on." So I just thought that was a nice a nice little bit of dialogue between. Yeah, them. it is. Hmm. Outside Ned's office, while Ned is talking to Yorin, uh, Arya and Jory Cassell have a bit of a talk about how well Ned is protected, because of course Arya is is a little bit concerned uh, about about um, about Ned and his safety. So we cut back to the Vale, and Cat and her party are met by a knight in the service of of House Aaron, Servatus Egan, and are taken to the Eyrie. Mm. And so now it's time for one of my one of my famous gripes about how the show is not accurate to the books. There's no sign of the bloody gate in this. Uh, yeah, in I, this, I felt that bit. like I felt like that would that's, be a good addition. Mm, that's bloody with a capital B, by the way. I'm not just mm. uh, I'm not just swearing at it. At no, a, no, at no. A, about a gate. <laughs> it's it's covered in blood. <laughs> mm, it's a famous defensive work in the Vale that basically turns the, one of the only approaches to the Vale into a choke point. Mm. And it's called the Bloody Gate because of all the armies that have just turned themselves into mincemeat trying to get through it. Yeah, it's it's sort of like, have you ever seen the designs of Japanese castles? <laughs> I have not. So they have a gate, they have a gate and then a room and then another gate. So what basically happens is they open the first gate, let everyone into this tiny little room, close the gate, and then kill them all. Yeah, and then slaughter commences. <laughs> I suppose yeah. it's kind of... I guess it's also kind of similar to um, Thermopylae. Yeah, The Battle of Thermopylae and the, and the, and the, the 300 Spartans and, and things like that. Um, yeah. Also, in the books, the, the Catelyn's arrival at the Bloody Gate introduces one of my favourite uh, minor characters, Sir Brendan Tully, the the Blackfish Cat's uncle. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, he 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 ends up not appearing until season three, I think. But um, no, it's just a, it's just a, a a cool bit of the world building that I'm I'm sorry got cut out, especially because it appears in season four. Yeah, it does. When uh, Littlefinger returns to the Vale with Sansa. They go through the bloody gate, even though 
It wasn't there before. <laughs> a bunch of ways why that doesn't make sense. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in, in due course. So we cut to King's Landing and Ned is summoned to the small council specifically told when he is summoned that uh, Daenerys the news that Daenerys is pregnant has arrived in Westeros Mm. and this seems like a little bit of a plot hole to me not the fact that the news has arrived in Westeros but that this random messenger that was sent to fetch Ned to the council meeting would be told this specifically the information that he's been summoned to hear like surely there's some element of like secrecy that Robert would want to maintain about the fact that his biggest rival for the Iron Throne is on the verge of producing an heir like it's Mm. yeah like that seems to be I feel like that should be secret Mm. so in the council chamber Robert yeah reveals that Varys has learned that Danny is pregnant and Ned kind of kind of questions the source of that information because of course it came from Jorah Mormont they confirm in this scene that it was Jorah who told mm. who told uh, who told Varys about this and Ned kind of goes well that's hardly a trustworthy source um, Robert and Ned have a fight about assassinating Daenerys which leads to Ned resigning as Hand mm-hmm. of the King and I just like to indulge in a little bit of personal satisfaction at this point my my original uh, co-host for the show, Olivia, said that I pronounce Viserys wrong, but in this scene, Robert pronounces it the same way that I do. So, um, how are you supposed? Who's laughing now? How are you, how are you supposed to do it? I don't know. I don't know. One day we might be able to have Liv on the show, and she can defend herself on this. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm in the right. That's all yep. that really matters. It's 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 written Viserys, so here mm. we are. Mm. And also in this scene, we have a cool uh, line from from Ned. I'll feel the Dothraki the day they teach the horses to run on water. Yeah, that's it. They still they still haven't actually solved the problem of getting horses yeah. on boats. So yeah, it's why it's it's part of the reason why Ned thinks assassinating Danny is unnecessary. I mean, leaving aside his moral. Yeah his moral objection to it. He thinks it's unnecessary because, like, the Dothraki just don't, do don't water. go near the ocean. Yeah. So, in Ned's office, Ned is preparing to leave, but Littlefinger shows up and offers to take Ned to see the last person that John Aaron spoke to before he died. Yep. And we, we cut to King's Landing. No, not King's Landing, the Vale. We're sorry, we cut King's to the Vale. We were, in, we were already in King's Landing. Yeah, sorry about that. Um... Lysa, Cat's uh, sister, who was John Aaron's wife and is now acting as regent of the Vale for their son, Robert Aaron, mm-hmm. is unhappy that Cat has brought Tyrion to the Vale because she sees it as a threat. I mean, like, Lysa, she's, not, she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Lysa is very concerned with the safety of, of her son, of, of, of young Lord Robert. Still creepy. Um, but yeah, yeah. Because like, I think in this scene... I th- I'm pretty sure in this scene, Lysa has her breasts out, and Robert, who is like... Eight? Six, nine? I, I don't think he's quite that old, but he's, he's, he's definitely old enough to not be being breastfed. But there he is, being breastfed, right in yeah. front of everybody. So, yep. um... I mean, I'm all for... I'm all for you know, breastfeeding as a as a way to raise your children, but you know, time and a place, Lysa. Jeez. Also, like an age. <laughs> well, yeah, that the sort of ties into the whole time thing. You're about seven years outside of the the appropriateness window. Mm. So Tyrion is thrown in one of the Vale's uh, infamous sky cells. These cells where that only have three walls because the fourth wall is the sky mm. and, can, it, um, and it slopes slightly towards the sky <laughs> mm. Mm. and so we now we cut back to King's Landing and uh, Loras and Renly are having a chat about politics while Loras gives Renly a shave and this is the first explicit evidence that we see of Loras and Renly's uh, relationship mm. and they have this they have an exchange about 
because they 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 clearly know some of the stuff that's going on relating to Cersei and her children and and the succession and they're planning for it they're planning for the possibility that uh one of Robert's brothers will become king instead of Robert's uh supposed Son. sons son inverted commas again <laughs> yeah and they they talk about how Stannis Robert's uh next eldest brother who's between who is between Robert and Renly uh, would be a terrible king because he has quote the personality of a lobster and um being as rabid a fan of Stannis Baratheon as I am this is uh who I mean it's it's a fair comment but still <laughs> he does kind of have the personality of a lobster oh yeah <laughs> yeah so in Robert's office elsewhere in the castle Cersei comes to visit and they have a bit of a chat about the possibility of Danny invading with the Dothraki yep. and they also talk about Lyanna Stark who of course yeah Robert was supposed to marry instead of Cersei Cersei has this absolutely brilliant line when she first comes into the room I'm sorry your marriage to Ned Stark didn't work out like, it's such a cutting line and I love it yeah and so yeah while they're talking Robert kind of frets about the possibility that if the Dothraki do invade the best way to fight them would be to not fight them like just to hole up in castles but if they do hole up in castles the Dothraki will just trample all over the countryside and um kill everyone else and kill everyone else and eventually the people will be like well hang on a minute why are we still supporting this guy as king and so that that's what's Rob, that's what Robert's worried about. Which it, is a it is a logical mm. logical worry. Hmm. And really, this whole scene is actually really great because there's a not not a lot of scenes of direct interaction between Robert and Cersei, where there's nobody else in the room and it's just the two of them. And this scene, it's 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 brilliant, but it's kind of heartbreaking because they both kind of talk about how well our marriage is pretty pretty fucked up and everything's pretty fucked up and like was there ever a chance for this and robert says no and it's 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 just sad it's, yeah i was about to say i feel like neither it. of them really tried <laughs> mm. so you know shout out to to mark eddy and uh lena hetty's acting in this scene because it's absolutely terrific mm. uh that being said they reference that first child that su that supposedly Again. died so you know where's my where's my plot hole tape um <laughs> in a brothel elsewhere in the city ned is meeting another of robert's bastards and her mother uh, a girl called i think megan or something like that i think i think is her name if i remember yeah. correctly <laughs> megan and um Littlefinger and Robert have a bit of a talk about it because by now it's become clear to Ned that uh, John Aaron was on the trail of, of Robert's bastards and <laughs> Littlefinger has this absolutely sterling like dry witty Littlefinger line that is uh, if you fuck enough women some of them will give you presents which <laughs> yeah yeah like that's, that's even quite... actual presents like some chocolate mm. they might do that mm. I just thought that's that's a, that's that's something that that makes me laugh whenever I hear it, and it's just because it's it's so quintessentially Littlefinger. Oh yeah. And now we hit the big sort of climactic finale of this episode. Outside the brothel, uh, Ned walks out into the street to be met by Jamie and a cadre of Lannister soldiers. Ned. Yeah. Says that. Because Jamie wants Tyrion back, naturally, and Ned says, "Well, actually, it was my idea," because he wants to sort of, you know, protect Cat. So they fight. They have a they have a sword fight right there in the in the, in the streets, and uh, Jamie kills Jory Cassell. Uh, Jamie's guards kill Ned's guards, and so when it's when it's down to just sort of the two of them, plus Jamie's guards. Jamie sort of says, you know yeah. what, back up, I'm going to fight him myself. And so they have, I think, I think probably one of the best sword fights 
at least in this whole series, of just these two guys who have, have just loathe each other, one of whom is purported to be the best swordsman in the country. In the world, yeah. In the world, possibly, and and versus this other guy whose whose abilities have never been directly seen but it's it's always kind of like hinted at that he might be a lot better than than people let on and it's just just absolutely brilliant a brilliant scene and something that i think about quite a lot with this scene is that because at the end of the baratheon rebellion uh ned fought and killed the previous like best swordsman in all of Westeros uh, Sir Arthur Dane who mm. was uh, a, a fellow member of uh, the Mad King's Kingsguard and something I think about quite a bit is what Jamie thinks about what happened at that duel and especially in this moment when he's fighting Ned like he thinks about how he, he's like the best swordsman in the world but at some point during the fight when he's it's he's not winning as easily as he thought he remembers that at some point Ned, Ned killed, Stark yeah. took on Sir Arthur Dane and won that fight. And I, I, yeah. I like to I like to sort of look at that fight and try and pinpoint the moment where Jamie realizes that he might have that he might have underestimated Ned. But, you need to try a bit harder. <laughs> mm, before the scene can really sort of ramp up, uh, one of Jamie's guards intervenes and stabs Ned in the leg with his spear. And mm. uh, so Jamie Jamie says you know, gets on his horse and says, My brother, Lord Stark, I want him back and then rides off out of the city. And we roll credits on that episode. Yeah. So yeah. Quite I'm intense. still fascinated by this this Lannister thing where it's like they're so into family, but they hate each other but for the most part. Mm. <laughs> mm. I, yeah, I really appreciate uh... when that ruse is is ended <laughs> later on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a, a a great ending to it to a, to what was a what was a very interesting episode. So now we move on to episode six of season one, titled "A Golden Crown." The Favorite episode. We will come to in due course. Yeah, this is this is another real, real humdinger. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> it's a good word. Don't don't knock it. <laughs> So we open on King's Landing. Ned is uh, in his bed, recovering from his wound, and he comes to comes to in his room, having having just had the wound, had the fight with Jamie, and being treated by by Grandmaster Pycelle. And he he wakes up to find that Ned, to find that uh, rather Robert and Cersei are in the room with him. And so mm. Ned, Cersei, and Robert all have an argument about the the feud that's appeared between the Starks and the Lannisters. So Robert insists that Ned take up his place again as Hand of the King and that Cat let go of Tyrion and that they all kind of try yeah. and move on from this. Go back to normal, and, please. <laughs> yeah, and Robert announces that he is going to go hunting. Uh, yeah, rem bad remember plan. That, that information for later. <laughs> um, bad plan. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to the Dothraki Sea. And or rather Vyas Dothrak and Danny puts one of her, her dragon eggs in a brazier, but doesn't mm. get burned when she pulls it out. So once again that sort of hint that Danny is immune to fire. Yeah. At least in the in the show canon. Yeah. So we cut to Winterfell and Bran is having that dream about the three eyed crow again. And then then the 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 next day he's he's testing out the saddle that Tyrion designed for him, the one that lets him ride ride without use of his legs. Yeah. And they're riding through the um riding through the forest. And Theon and Rob are, are close behind him and they're having a talk about the situation in the south. And Theon is trying to persuade Rob to mobilize the northern armies against the Lannisters in support of his mother. I mean oh. I feel like He's being a bit gung ho about this. <laughs> mm. I, think I mean, so was Cat. So <laughs> Theon spends most of the series being a bit gung ho about a lot of things, really. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, so Bran gets separated from Rob and Theon in the forest and is ambushed by wildlings who have 
mm. somehow snuck through the wall and are, and, are, and are trying to get south. And they talk about how they, they're trying to get south because something terrible is uh, up beyond the wall and they've seen it and they want to get away from it. Yep. So they try to get Bran off his horse, but of course Bran can't get off his horse, so they, they, they have to physically drag him off. And Rob, at this point, arrives and tries to intervene, but one of the wildlings takes Bran hostage. Yep. And while they're having this sort of tense standoff moment, Theon shoots the wildling that is holding Bran and manages to manages to get him free. So Rob and Theon have this sort of another tense moment where, where Rob is kind of upset because he was worried that if the arrow had gone right through it might have hurt Bran and, and it kind of rem- rather rather sharply reminds Theon that Bran's not actually Theon's brother. Even though yeah, Theon's sort of unnecessary trying to, trying to I feel brotherly. but Yeah, it's a bit harsh. It's a bit harsh. And so the the one remaining wildling, Osher begs mercy from Rob and you know Rob sort of opts to spare her so we cut to the Eyrie and um, Tyrion wakes up right on the edge of a sky cell like one arm hanging over the <laughs> edge, edge face kind of yeah so yeah. He, he wakes up with a bit of a start and tries unsuccessfully to bribe the, the, the jail keeper mm-hmm. to let him out yep so we cut to King's Landing. Arya is not in the mood to train after the, what happened to her father. And Sirio says, "Well, yep. that's the best time to train because you need to you need to learn how to focus on that's the situation at hand when you're in a fight rather than be distracted." Also, it's when you're probably going to have to fight is when people are dying around you and you really don't want that mm. to happen. Hmm. <laughs> And we get the probably one of the most I think famous speeches in the entire series. There is only one God, and His name is Death. Death. And what do we say to Death? Not today. Very poignant. Hmm. And uh, yeah, something that gets repeated quite a lot I think throughout the series. Mm. Not so today. We cut to Vaistothrak, and um. Danny is eating a raw horse heart. <laughs> Just biting off chunks and scarfing it down. And it's... I mean, you know, this series, it has a lot of violence and gore and, and you know, people dying in horrible ways, but this has to be, I think, probably one of the least comfortable scenes for me, <laughs> at least in this first <laughs> series, because it looks so real. Like, it's... It's probably because it is (laughs) she's just eating a heart and it's oh my god so yeah i it's intense it's an intense scene but it's it's apparently part of the dothraki ritual to prove the strength of the child that she's carrying yeah that if she can keep the horse heart down i think i might have mentioned you might have what's i think i mentioned this before i think i mentioned this before where i actually am really I really wanted to see a Dothraki Targaryen. Like, how terrifying mm. would that child have been? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the possibility of a of a of a of a of a dragon horse hybrid thing. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, throughout this scene, Viserys and Jorah are watching, and so their exposition serves as the explanation for uh, why why Danny is doing this and. And, and what's going on so and Danny manages to keep the heart down and so there's a big a big a big celebration of all the Dothraki gathered which means because it means that the child will be strong and Danny announces that the child she is having is a son and he will be called Rago after her brother Rhaegar mm. and if i remember correctly from the books there's a scene slightly later where Danny and Jorah have a conversation about Danny's choice of name, Rago, and Jorah specifically says, a name that will strike fear in the heart of the usurper, by which of course he means Robert. Yeah. And uh, so Viserys has snuck away from the party, uh, 
and Jorah follows him and finds him trying to steal the dragon eggs because he he wants to he's he's decided that sort of the deal with Karl Drogo is no longer of any use and he mm. would be better off just taking the dragon eggs selling them for a ton of money and using the money to buy mercenaries to to take back he's, the iron throne he's being petulant hmm <laughs> So and Viserys talks a lot about talks a bit about how he kind of he's felt this responsibility all his life to keep the to keep the the dream of House Targaryen alive and how it's all fallen on him and since he was six years old and it's, it's it it doesn't explain away how much of a shit he's been but you know credit for trying yeah. I guess so Definitely. yeah. Jorah prevents Jorah prevents Viserys leaving with the dragon eggs, and they have this conversation. Does loyalty mean nothing to you? It means everything to me. And yet here you stand, and yet here I stand. Here we stand, of course, being the words of House Mormont. So, I thought that was quite a cool little reference to that. No, that's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So we cut to the eerie. Tyrion makes another attempt to bribe the jailer, Maud, by explaining the concept of abstract possession and debt to him. <laughs> and Peter Dinklage's acting in this scene is <laughs> absolutely so terrific. Because, like, like, that sort of relatable feeling of having to try and explain something to someone who doesn't quite get it. And he's You're just, like, just sort of the way he rolls his on. eyes and sighs through his nose it's 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 really really just and a tries again watch, so. mm. yeah it's like have you ever heard the phrase as rich as a lannister no gold it's, i know i'm tr- it's it's it's, yeah. it's really great so yeah and so eventually Tyrion manages to persuade Maud to tell uh, Lysa Aaron that he wants to confess his crimes quote quote unquote but he confesses to a bunch of nonsense crimes intending to mock Lysa like he talks about how he once stole a serving girl's robe while she was bathing and apparently he jerked off into a none of the crimes we're actually interested in he jerked off into a pot of soup that apparently Cersei ate and he put goat shit and his father's boots at one point and I'd just like to, you know acknowledge all the new euphemisms for masturbating that I learned by watching this scene, like, I'd, I'd never heard some of these before <laughs> skinned his sausage they were pretty good. made the bald man cry is an especially interesting one like, that's that's certainly yeah. uh, certainly yeah, evocative sorry. not something you want to be doing yeah, so Lysa like as gets fed up and decides to throw Tyrion back in his cell but um Tyrion says well hang on a minute I you accuse me of crimes I deny them so you just throw me back in my cell I want to have a proper trial and Lysa says well we can have a proper trial as you are entitled to <laughs> but Lord Robert my 6-year-old son who will basically do anything I tell him to will be the judge which, of course, Tyrion is less keen on. So he opts instead yep. to, drumroll please, trial by combat, thus birthing... The age-old cop-out of trial by combat. <laughs> endless memes. Endless memes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's a... It's a and like the best relationship yeah, in the show. it's an iconic moment. <laughs> iconic. So Lysa says, "All right, you can name a champion. I name Servatus Egan, who we met, who we saw earlier." And uh, Tyrion tries to nominate Jamie as his champion, but um, Lysa says, "Nope, we're going to do this today. We can't wait <laughs> yeah. for Jamie to get here." So eventually, yeah, Bronn, one of the cell swords, who was originally helping Cat transport Tyrion to the Vale, uh, volunteers to be the, um, to be the, uh, to be Tyrion's champion. 
So, you know, that's that's exciting. And, yeah, so Tyrion mentions he and Lysa have a right to choose a champion, but I'd be honest, I'd be keen to watch them, like, have to fight each other. Like, Lysa Aaron, this this older woman who's probably... <laughs> Lysa and Tyrion. ...in terms of physical ability, versus Tyrion, who, who, while small, has shown that he is capable in a combat setting in a combat setting so you know that's a fight that i that i'd pay to watch is all i'm saying mm. yeah it would be it would be interesting mm. Mm. so we cut now to the kingswood the forest south of king's landing where robert is hunting with renly and sir barristan and lancel and robert mm. is reminiscing about the quote-unquote good old days where, you know, he didn't have any responsibilities and could just do whatever he liked. He talks about something called Making the Eight, where you have sex with a girl from each of the kingdoms and the Riverlands, which, you know, yep. justice for the girls from the Crownlands, you know? Because they're not on the list. <laughs> and Renly, in a, in a moment of, in a moment of sort of level-headedness that book Renly is definitely not known for uh, calls Robert out for being just a just a just a douchebag about everything a lad and he's like well what what good old days are you talking about when the mad king was burning people alive because the voices in his head told him to or or all these other terrible things were happening and he makes references to dragons burning cities to the ground which I mean never happened in Westeros but I presume he's what? like yeah. Is he referring to like the old Valerian, old Valerian Empire? But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just an odd, an odd uh, reference. Because there's definitely no cities in Westeros that weren't are uh, not here now that were there mm. before. And I think, so. yeah, the the only settlement that ever like was completely destroyed by Dragonfire was the Castle Harrenhal. So maybe that's what he's referencing. Mm. I don't know. Um, at this point we see that Robert is getting progressively more and more drunk because uh, his squire Lancel keeps giving Robert wine which is like what Robert mm. is asking for yeah, Robert keeps asking for it but uh, I think both Renly and Barristan sort of think that maybe you can see that they both think that he should maybe ease up but they don't actually say it so mm. Robert just goes on drinking regardless in the Red Keep, Ned is uh, holding court in Robert's absence, deciding over various issues. A Riverlands man uh, has come to the capital to tell him about a Lannister attack on the area led by the mountain, Sir Gregor Clegane, which is mm. apparent uh, revenge for Cat taking, taking Tyrion prisoner. And so Ned orders... Lord Beric Dondarrion, newly introduced, to bring the mountain in to face justice, and calls on Tywin Lannister to come to the capital to answer for the destruction, because of course uh, the mountain is one of Tywin's own men, own sworn sworn soldiers. And it, it's quite a big moment actually, because Ned is basically saying to the most powerful lord in the realm that. You know what? If you don't comply with my instructions, I'm gonna have pretty much every every other kingdom declare war against you. Like it's it's quite a it's quite a strong political it's a, statement it's a, to make. It is, but he does have the power to make it though. Mm. Ned's basically at this current time. Yeah, he's basically threatening to yeah. bring the entire weight of the of the crown down on Tywin. Mm. So it's, yeah. Which I don't think has ever happened to Tywin before. <laughs> no, no it hasn't really, if, if memory serves. So we cut back to the Eyrie, and the fight between Bronn and Servatus Egan happens. Uh, Servatus is better armoured, and so looks initially to have the upper hand, but Bronn sort of ducks and weaves and dodges and uses the, the surroundings to his advantage. And eventually manages to kill mm. Servatus, eventually acquitting 
acquitting Tyrion of the crime that he was uh, accused of. And I, I, I think I forgot Trial to mention by combat. this. Yeah, I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, in the Eyrie they have the Moon Door, which is just a just a door yes. that opens in the floor, and it's just a great big drop down to the ground from the mountain top, and it's <laughs> it's definitely one of the more interesting aspects of the Vale of Arryn that they have just this just this literal murder hole that instead of cutting people's heads off, they push them out through it, and it's like, all right, you're gone. Don't have to clean up the mess. Yeah. You're just gone now. Um, one thing I would be really interested to just like know about is how they constructed the Eerie. I just want I just want like an engineering documentary mm. of how the hell this building happened. <laughs> well, if my memory of the World of Ice and Fire is accurate, and I have no reason to believe that it's not, it took about sixty years. I would expect it to have taken much longer. They don't have cranes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they say in the book that it was about I think one king started it and I think three kings later it was done. So yeah. I think they specifically said about 60 years because one king stopped it because he wanted the money that was being sunk in the castle to f- finance a war. This was Which bef- is fair, it would have yeah. been a lot of money. <laughs> this was before, of course, the Seven Kingdoms became one realm. This was when they were all still separate separate kingdoms. So this yeah. was a this was a, an independent uh, king of House Arryn who ordered the construction and did not live to see it finished. But yeah, it's quite a it's quite a feat. And of course in the book, um the moon door is a door in a wall in a conventional sense, rather than a door in the floor. So it's it's less it's probably less of a feat but still quite impressive yeah because if they had a, if they have one in the floor that means it's all like cantilevering mm. cantilevering that's holding up the rest of the room hard mm. yeah <laughs> but I mean I think the door Anyways. on the floor <laughs> the door on the floor looks very very cool I think it looks a lot cooler than I think a door on a wall would look but um oh yeah anyway so yes, Tyrion is acquitted by virtue of the fact that Bronn won the trial, and so Tyrion gets released, and he just he throws Maud his purse because you know, a Lannister always pays his debts. And then we we cut to King's Landing, and Sansa is giving Septimordain just just an incredible amount of sass, like she's, she's being <laughs> quite rude, like because she talks she she asks like. She asks Septimordain where she grew up, and then when she starts talking, she's like, "Oh wait, I don't care." Which is like, 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 like "Holy shit, Sansa! You're not your queen yet." A bit. Yeah. Chill, chill. <laughs> and at, at that point, um, Joffrey comes in and uh, like apologizes for how he's acted towards Sansa lately, and he really really puts the moves on her like he gives her a little necklace and he kisses her and it's it's a whole it's a real kind of real kind of um pulling out all the stops on joffrey's part this is called emotional manipulation people take notes (laughs) yeah so we cut to the north and roz is leaving for king's landing because she she thinks that all the all the all the men that her customers are going to leave to go fight in a war and Theon is kind of sad about it, to the point that he follows her and uh, <laughs> flicks her a, a coin for one last look at her at her genitals. So, yeah. Why know. is this scene in here? I mean, because you know, Roz goes down to King's Landing and has like a has like a sort of central role, well, not a central role, but like a contributing role to some of the intrigue plot. And I guess it's I like guess. they had to have a scene that's like, all right, Roz is leaving now, so. Don't be surprised when she turns up in King's Landing. Not that long yeah. after she leaves, so she must have caught the express train or something. <laughs> uh, we cut to King's Landing, and uh, Ned informs Sansa that he is sending he is sending her and Arya back to Winterfell. Which, uh, which you know, Sansa is very upset by because she wants to marry Joffrey and. 
she talks about how she's going to give him children with beautiful blonde hair and <laughs> ping and uh, <laughs> and yeah Ned cottons on to something <laughs> like Sansa says a beautiful golden lion and Arya says well he's not a lion he's a stag like his father and Sansa says he's nothing like that old drunk king and you cut, mm. it cuts to a close up shot of Sean Bean's face and you can hear <laughs> the like, gears turning one, you can see the two. like eyes <laughs> widen like there's a great comic of um of some that that of Ned in this scene where like Ned's like drawing punnet squares <laughs> and he, yes. he like he, he he writes in like blonde hair black hair and then it it's a wide shot of him and he just goes motherfucker and it's like that's a hundred percent what happens big T little T big T <laughs> hang on a second yep. so some year eleven biology year 11 for you science yeah. yeah what the what little of what little of science I actually remember from high school this comes comes into play so we cut to Vaistoth wrecked and there's a party in full swing to celebrate the fact that um you know Danny is going to have a strong healthy baby she didn't puke woo <laughs> yep she didn't throw up that horse heart so good for her Viserys comes in clearly drunk and starts making a scene like cuz he feels very slighted because he's like, oh, I'm here for the party. And Drogo's like, you sit over there with the plebs. And Viserys is like, that's not a place for a king. And Drogo calls him, I think he calls him the Sawfoot King in this scene, which is a reference to the fact that he was forced yeah. to walk instead of riding a horse mm. earlier on. And so Viserys gets very aggressive and he, he takes out his sword and none of the none of the other Dothraki have weapons because bloodshed is forbidden in Vaes Dothrak. And he says, "Well, you know what? I want what's promised. And if he's not going to give me an army, then he doesn't get you, Danny." And he threatens to to mm -hmm. cut to cut Danny and Drogo's child out of Danny. Uh, and which uh, would kill Danny. So Drogo says, "All right, I'll give you what you want—a golden crown that men will tremble to behold." And Viserys like goes like, oh, mm. all right. He backs he backs off surprisingly easily. Like, oh, okay. Puts his sword away. That's all cool. I wanted. That's fine. I'm happy with that. And of course, that is not at all what happens. And no. I'm, I'm reminded well, of well, it is. Well, like if we if we're speaking literally, <laughs> it is what happens. <laughs> yeah, as 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 Drogo has indicated, we are indeed speaking literally. Um. But no, I was just thinking about this, this scene in the books where Danny like actually gets kind of sad at this point because like Viserys just completely goes becomes all friendly and happy and it, and it makes Danny sad because she sort of caps, catches a glimpse of how Viserys used to be when they were children, or rather when he was a child. Yeah. Danny is arguably still a child at this point. So yep. Viserys backs off. At which point, two of Drogo's men seize him. One of them breaks his arm, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he does. Mm. And they force him onto his knees. Drogo goes to the cooking fire, pours out the stew that was in there, gets a bunch of gold, puts it in there, waits for it to melt. All this time, Viserys is begging Danny not to let this happen, because I think he... he He's sort of guessed that something He's pretty terrible is about point, to happen. He's twigged at this point, I feel. Yeah. And so the gold melts. has melted over the fire. Drogo lifts up the pot, holds it over Viserys. Crown for a king. And pours the molten gold over Viserys's head. And it's... Oh, it's so satisfying and so awful. Brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. Even though, like, you know, Vis as, yeah, as you say, Viserys has just been a shit... It's an incredibly brutal yep. way to die like that. So, yeesh. But you know, from a from a technical standpoint, it doesn't violate the uh, the Dothraki no bloodshed rule in Vaes Dothrak. No, nope, there was no blood. Not mm -hmm. a drop of blood is spilled. 
Viserys oh, sure just, a lot of heat though <laughs> yeah suffers is there something beyond third degree burns like is there such a thing as fourth degree burns because I'm pretty sure Viser- uh, there is Viserys fourth degree it. but that's when you have yeah that's when you have literally no skin <laughs> okay no skin so left is fourth there, degree burns still. so I feel like that's where we are <laughs> yeah he's still like, uh... on, obviously not like overall but <laughs> mm. so yeah Viserys dies horribly and uh, we, mm. we, we end the episode with, with, a, with a close up of Daenerys saying he was no dragon fire cannot kill a dragon and then we roll credits because you know we already know that Danny's immune to fire mm. apparently well so I mean does that I, I, I mean not saying I want to see molten gold get poured over Danny, but does that mean she would have been immune to having molten gold poured over her that's that's a, an interesting I feel like yes possible <laughs> hypothetical question I mean like not that I yeah I mean it's a it's a really good way to make armor <laughs> cheap mm. quick way of making mm. armor <laughs> I mean, I guess, but it's, yeah. It would also freak people the hell out as well. Like, you have the psychological aspect down pat. I, I want to see that now. Anyway, that marks the end of uh, of this episode of the Waiting for Winter podcast. Thank, thank you, everyone, very much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. You, you sure have any, any final thoughts, Kira? Uh, no. Apart from these, this is my favorite episode in season one. Mm, I like yeah. it very much. It's very good, very good. And uh, I guess as my final thought, uh, don't un- underestimate the importance of uh, of high school biology. <laughs> no, <laughs> remember them Punnett squares. Mm. We'll see you next week.